Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to Sox Machine Live. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, as we are streaming this show live on Mixler.com slash Sox Machine on Wednesday night, April 17th, as the Chicago White Sox and Kansas City Royals just wrapped up a three-game series on the south side in which the White Sox won the series. So that's back-to-back series wins for the White Sox. They are now 7-10 and after losing today 4-3, to and the loss was a painful one in more than one way. But what everybody is talking about right now in baseball is the scuffle that happened between the White Sox and Royals, another one between these two teams. This time, it's about Royal starting pitcher Brad Keller hitting Tim Anderson, in which Keller purposely hit him after Anderson hit a home run earlier in the game and tossed his bat, a swag bomb, and Keller couldn't handle it, and things got out of hand. And somehow, out of all of this, Anderson got ejected for getting hit by a pitch. There's a lot to discuss here, and joining me to help is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com and the co-host of the podcast, it's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. When Major League Baseball launched its Let the Kids Play campaign before this year, I think they did a poor job conveying that message to to pitchers. (laughs) Uh, They're going to say piss and moaners, which is basically the same thing. It's, uh, yeah, it's... It was weird watching MLB's Twitter account. I linked to that in the recap, just saying, like, on one hand, MLB's Twitter account is uh, touting Anderson, uh, 
throwing the bat to his dugout, yelling at Yolmer Sanchez, having fun. And then, uh, however long it was, a couple of things later, it's tweeting how a brawl started because Tim Anderson started that. And it's it's a league caught at a crossroads a little bit uh, between, um, you know, what should be happening, the, the interna- internationalization of the game or the globalization of the game where you have, uh, you know, different cultures come together and, and really North America is really the only reserved culture when it comes to baseball and, and, and exuberance. And then you have, you know, the, this, these other different cultures coming into play and some guys want to indulge in that. And then you have the pitchers who hate it. <laughs> and, uh, it's going to be a messy few years about this because, you know, it really doesn't make, uh, it's really counterproductive for pitchers to do that. It, you know, you see in, in Asia and in the Caribbean series, when you know, have bat flips and celebrations that pitchers don't care and they shouldn't, I mean, it's their personal failure and, you know, the league, and and everybody glorified Nolan Ryan for basically being a sociopath about you know vengeance homers and Bob Gibson and so forth and you know it's just ingrained in the game having pitchers try to take matters in their own hands and basically commit assault with a baseball because they didn't like something and uh, it, it seems like it's in the league's interest to convey that to pitchers uh, be it through words uh, meetings or you know, probably harsher suspensions. Well, with the suspensions, okay, when it comes to a starting pitcher that pulls this little stunt off, Keller, let's say he gets suspended. He gets suspended for five games. Oh, boy. That means his next start is just a day later than it was originally scheduled. I mean, that's all Mm -hmm. that means for a starting pitcher. And I think it was Chris Kamka from NBC Sports Chicago. He tweeted this out that, you know, if a starting pitcher gets suspended, okay, you know, they, they miss you know, maybe their next start, or like I, like I just said, the, the next start gets delayed. But the guy that gets hit by the pitch could even miss more time. They can get hurt. And what really makes me upset in all of this is I don't understand how Tim Anderson got himself ejected for mm-hmm. what transpired by Joe West. And then after the game, the umpires declined comment to explain their actions of what happened on the field today to the Associated Press. I think that's a huge no. And Major League Baseball needs to change that policy immediately. If the umpires are going to have any controversial call that is on the field, they need to explain why. You can't make this type of call and then walk away from it and you can clear your mind and you're okay with it. No. It's not good with the fans. It's not good for the players. It's not for the coach. Not good for the coaches. It's not good for the game. So this whole ordeal was bad enough as it is. And then of course Joe West has to get himself involved, Jim. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just don't understand. And it really hurt the White Sox. Tim Anderson is one of the best players for the White Sox right now, and it may have costed them the game today by throwing them out for being involved in this scuffle because he got hit by a pitch. I I just don't understand, and I'm not exactly sure on how Major League Baseball is going to respond to this because there's a couple of things on their plate right now they have to address. Yeah, uh, well, I think with umpires, yeah, it's either whether it's to the AP pool reporter or the league conveying its own message through its own channels, just something explaining it. It was the same thing with... uh, with Ron Culpa when he, I think it was, was it Houston uh, where he said, I'm trying to think who he is. He was, uh, whose manager he was telling that. Yeah. AJ yeah, Hinch, Houston, right? The Houston yeah, Astros. Uh, you know, I can do what I want. <laughs> it's like you have these, uh, you know, mercenary umps basically who, uh, you know, Keith Law's uh, hashtag ump show that, um, 
you know, it, it seems counterproductive to the game and, and uh, that, you know, it should be explained. It should be, you know, discipline, I think, and, and messaging should be a bit more transparent when it comes to umpires. I know that's important for them to convey ultimate authority in the game, uh, but when it comes to, uh, you know, this kind of thing, and especially with Anderson, because last year Anderson was ejected by Joe West uh, and, and under very odd circumstances where West was basically picking a fight with him by staring him down and not giving him answers. And then Anderson asked why he's looking at him and got tossed. You know, that was, Oh, I remember uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, what and was so, up with that? Yeah. And, and so when Anderson got tossed by West, you know, it just in West has had West has been disciplined before for airing out feelings about players and, and, and carrying grudges. And, and so when you have that, you know, when you have that history between them and Anderson saying that he, you know, everybody knows he sucks uh, or, or something, if I'm, paraphrasing it i'm not uh, making any harsher than what anderson said anderson was very blunt about it but you know west picked the fight and i think when you have umpires picking the fights you know it's easy to carry it over and say like well it's and and they have no other explanation for it when anderson's walking to first with a catcher escort like it usually happens and, and not uh you know punching over guys that try to get to uh keller you know he didn't do anything like that that normally gets a guy who gets plunk tossed um, yeah, there's no explanation for it and there should be, uh, you know, whether it's to the pool reporter or to, uh, you know, through the league channels, but yeah, it, it was a mess and, uh, yeah, it did hurt the White Sox, although the White Sox did hurt themselves plenty, but, you know, in, in, in the immediate, uh, aftermath of it, you know, that it takes the base dealer off the base and then you have a shorter bench that limits pinch hitting options later. So it hurt them there, but they also shot themselves in the foot a lot. Yeah. And, you know, big props to Jose Rondon coming off the bench. He was two for two replacing Tim Anderson in the game. But as you mentioned, Jim, the White Sox shot themselves in the foot, and we're going to go to the other parts of this game that are pretty painful for the White Sox and uh, a bit concerning, at least on the injury front. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. The White Sox today were 3-for-15 with runners in scoring position. 3-for-15. Mm-hmm. They left 14 guys on base. And I... And maybe the worst of them all is when Jose Abreu has an opportunity with no outs, runners on second and third, and he's ahead in the count 3-0. And then I think he must have just decided, I'm going to swing at the next three pitches no matter what they are. And I think you wrote, Jim, that was possibly the worst at bat he may have had in his career. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think I can argue. Yeah. With I don't that. remember one that bad. I mean, there've been maybe worse results or something like that, or, you know, bigger situations, but in terms of fundamental breakdown of discipline, leverage, pitch recognition, everything like that, there was, it was like they, they secretly replaced him with, a. um, I'm not even sure. <laughs> just, I, I, I even think like, you know, Tim Anderson, he swings wildly, but I, I, yeah, I think Anderson would lay off a three Oh slider, anything spinning. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a mess. And then, you know, you, it was partially the lack of discipline from guys who should know better. And the lack of guys who know better. Uh, like you had Daniel Polka coming up in clutch situations and you had, uh, Adam Engel, a game coming to him twice. <laughs> and, uh, uh, when you have those, it's just uh, you know crushing when the game gets to those guys in the form that they're in because they don't seem to stand a chance. Either, you know, they get picked on and 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 uh, end up 0-2 because they get pitched really well, or they expand the zone. And either way, you don't feel like they have a chance. And in Polka's case and in Engel's case, they didn't. So it was a mix of guys who should know better letting you down, and then just uh, underqualified players who were happened to be there. We're gonna get to the unqualified players who are no longer with the Chicago White Sox and on their way to Charlotte. 
as we speak. Um, but to the injuries, the first one, and it's a bit disappointing because he was pitching so well, and that's Lucas Giolito, Jim. Lucas Giolito was really throwing the ball well in this game. He only lasted two and two-thirds innings. He struck out five, allowed one walk, and didn't allow a hit. And he looked like he was in great rhythm, something that we were hoping to see from him because when he's in a good rhythm, you you can see these types of performances. And then the hamstring just started barking on him, on his plant leg, which is his left leg. And you can see the highlight when he got hurt. And the fact after the trainers came out on the field, he was trying to stretch that hamstring. Uh, and we'll see. Right now the White Sox are saying that it's hamstring tightness and he's day-to-day. But, Jim, you know, we've been doing this show for six seasons. We know that hamstring injuries, we think, oh, they'll be good in two weeks. And then there's cases like Lurie Garcia where it's like, oh, what happened to that guy last year? He missed like two months with mm-hmm. a hamstring injury. Everybody's a bit different with this type of injury. Uh, if it's minor and he misses a start, okay, I think Manny Benuelos can fill in for him. But, Jim, if it's not minor and Luis, uh, you know, Lucas Giulio has got to miss a couple weeks, what do the White Sox do filling in his spot? Probably Banuelos for the time being. I think he's he's thrown well enough in his starts or in his, his long relief appearances, you know, three innings apiece, that shouldn't take him long to get stretched out. He might need some bullpen assistance for one game to get to five innings or, or maybe hit five innings and not advance. But, you know, if he's resilient so far and it seems like he has been in his three outings then I imagine he would get the run for the time being I'm hoping that the frustration that Giolito show showed you know coming off the mound wasn't merely that this is a horrible injury when I was pitching my best but more like fighting the trainers a little bit saying like I could have kept going um yeah I think it's in the trainer's interest to make sure you don't lose them for any amount of time because you know, the whole thing part of the uh, I guess the anger over Anderson's bat flip was it wasn't an important game it was a game in April and, and while I don't agree with it there I think you can't extend that thinking to Giolito and not keeping him in long uh, or, or trying to push him through an injury in a game in April when you have so much season remaining uh, so I'm hoping that the frustration was just that uh, you know they're being too precautionary and he's fine but uh, I, I think you know based on tightness and, and not having any kind of immediate uh, feel-good quotes about it. Uh, you know, no panic quotes, but no feel-good quotes. I could see him missing a start, but I think Ben Wallace has at least showed that he's uh, you know up for the job. I think it's just more hoping that Irvin Santana or somebody else doesn't collapse while Giolito is uh, out of service to where then all of a sudden, well, I mean, Dylan Cease would be the most qualified, but I think the White Sox aren't going to go there. But yeah, it could get messy mm-hmm. if uh, it's Ben Wallace and uh, somebody needs to step in for Santana. Yeah, and... For the White Sox bullpen today, again, they had to cover six and a third innings. Uh, Ryan Bird, Josh Osich, Jose Ruiz, which you're going to talk about him in a moment, Kelvin Herrera, and Nate Jones. Nate Jones ended up getting the loss. He did not pitch well in the 10th inning again. Um, but Jose Ruiz uh, today, Jim, he, you know, the White Sox are trying to get two innings out of him, and he looks all out of sorts. He gave up three hits, one earned run. Two walks and a strikeout. His ERA now is 12.27. So if Giolito has to go to the injured list, spend 10 days there while he heals up his hamstring, if that's the decision they decide to go with. Benuelos fills in in the fifth spot in the starting rotation for the White Sox. You can call somebody up from Charlotte, but while you do that, does it make sense to call up two guys and send Jose Ruiz down 
Uh, you know, maybe at this point, but I think you know, maybe trying to think of, you know, who would be most qualified, probably, you know, Carson Fulmer, the way he pitched in uh, his one appearance in the majors and then the way he's pitched since in Charlotte, you know, he's probably worth a look. And, and if you can get length out of him, and I think they've been throwing him multiple innings every time, I think there might be an idea to have him be a multiple inning guy and maybe pair well with a Banuelos type, you know, if he's coming in lefty and, and setting up the uh, lineup against him to be right-handed, and then all of a sudden Fulmer comes in for a few innings, you know, that could work out to their advantage. So I think, you know, maybe having a multi-inning guy coming in while Banuelos goes up, yeah, you don't have to make that switch, but... Uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of tweaking, uh, you know, as the White Sox go around in the bullpen because I, I, you know, Ruiz is promising, and I think I wouldn't mind seeing him a couple more times. I think the White Sox have been kind of out of, you know, since they've been playing better, they've been out of low leverage opportunities to kind of give these guys opportunities to miss or miss over the plate, get get hit, you know, give up a homer and and it not count. So, uh, you know, the White Sox, you know, strangely enough, could use a blowout at some point to, uh, you know, ease a little uh, stress on the bullpen, let guys go an inning longer than usual and such. But, uh, yeah, I think Ruiz might not be long for it, but I think for the time being, you can probably get by with calling it Fulmer and then uh, hopefully, uh, you know, giving the bulk of the bullpen a rest one way or another. The other injury happened to Yoan Makata. Makata stole second base and Martin Malinato on his throw down a second, hit Mikata in the head as Mikata was sliding headfirst into second base. On replay, it appeared that the ball mostly hit his helmet and not his left ear. However, uh, we know that Maldonado has one of the strongest arms at all in Major League Baseball, Jim. And I don't have cast in front of me to look at how fast that throw was. Let's say if it was faster than 85 miles an hour, 85 miles an hour to your head, even if you're wearing a helmet, uh, is going to hurt. It's definitely going to rattle. Yeah, especially if you're not expecting it. Right. And it could have been a lot worse. It could hit him in the face, and that would cause a lot more problems. But later in the game, Mikado tried to tough it out, and he couldn't make it. And I think the trainers did the right thing, pulling him out of the game. After the game, he said that he had a headache, but he's going to try to play tomorrow. Now, for those that are new to the show and haven't been following us for a while, when it comes to concussions, I'm very sensitive to the subject because for me personally, I went through five of them, all football related. These are very serious injuries and you should take them seriously and trainers should not be rushing players after they suffer some type of head injury like Makata did. Uh, and then try to have him play tomorrow at 12 o'clock uh, in Detroit, 12 o'clock Central Time, uh, in which he's got to hop on an airplane, go up in altitude in a pressurized cabin, and you know you can mess up with your sleep schedule as far as concussions go. You can get dizziness. You can get blurriness as far as vision. It's just not it doesn't impact you on the field. It definitely impacts you off the field. And I think the White Sox should be very careful here with you and Mikata because, again, there's only been 16 games, and I understand, Jim, that Mikata has been playing very well. But I think it would be worthwhile for the White Sox in that Mikata does not play tomorrow, have Jose Rondon play, and then evaluate where Mikata is on Friday to determine if he's well enough to play the rest of the weekend. What are your thoughts as far as how the White Sox can handle you and Mikata here? 
I guess that's what I'm expecting given the quick turnaround time. I think if it were a night game, then I think he might be in the lineup or, yeah, they might be, I guess, uh, bolder about it. You know, full 24 hours, full night of sleep, everything like that, um, you know, being the case. But, you know, given how conservative they've been with injuries before and uh, head injuries and, you know, they did give them the concussion protocol. Um, you know, they examined them you know, during the inning. They examined them after the inning. Um, it seemed like they did it by the book and they, they also listened to him when he said he had the headache. And, you know, so it seems like they've been vigilant about it and they didn't cut any corners with it. And so if he were in the lineup, I guess I would trust their judgment just because, you know, that seems like he passed the concussion protocol. But um, I, I'm expecting him to sit out, especially since, uh, you know, um, Rondon had a good game uh, mm -hmm. in his stead. You know, and he deserves a little bit more playing time, given that he's had more competitive at-bats than a lot of other guys on the team. So it seems like a good opportunity to give Rondon some play. And, uh, you know, if you have an, a pinch hit, hitting opportunity later in the game, you know, there might be an opportunity for Mankata to get involved that way, uh, you know, if need arises. But I think that might be my compromise if you wanted to play. But, uh, you know, they just wanted to be safer. That might be the way to do it. Now, if he doesn't get any better, there is the concussion injury list protocol. It's like seven days, right? Yep. If Mikata has to go on the seven-day concussion list, I, I think the easy answer is Jose Rondon fills in for you on Mikata. Uh, but, you know, again, you could have the possibility, and we don't know yet. All right, I'm just speculating, and maybe there'll be more information available for those that are listening to this Thursday morning. But if Mikata and Giolito wake up and they're not better and the White Sox training staff recommends that they both go on the injured list, okay, so you got Banuelos filling in Giolito in the fifth spot. You got Jose Rondon playing third base. And I guess we might as well throw this in there. The White Sox decided to option Daniel Polka down to Charlotte, in which Polka finally got a base hit, uh, beat the shift on a 60-mile-per-hour exit velocity single. So, you know, it was a rocket. But Polka yeah, broken bat. Yeah, <laughs> broken bat. But Polka is now heading to Charlotte, and it just seems like there's going to be a lot of shuffling here uh, maybe in the next couple of days for the White Sox. So let me throw this scenario out there because uh, I, I feel like it's worth talking through. If Giolito and Mikata have to go to the injured list, and Manny Benuelos takes over the fifth spot, Rendon takes over third base, but who would you like to see, Jim, come up to serve as a bench spot uh, in case another infielder is needed, uh, maybe another reliever to fill in for Benuelos, and then who do you think fills in for Daniel Polka? I think you would have Leori shift to the infield. You know, he he would be the primary utility infielder, and I could see them going with maybe uh, Ryan Cordell to be the uh, outfielder and you know backup center fielder should there need a rise while Leori's playing the infield. And then uh, for the other spot, you know, for the Polka spot, you could have, um, you know, if they, you know, one option I kind of like, although he's not on the 40-man roster, is Charlie Tilson, just because he's playing really well in Charlotte. Uh -huh. There was always a, there was always a better ball player in him than what he's shown. You know, the hamstring injury hurt him a lot, sent him back a couple of years. So I'm not completely counting him out. Uh, you know, he might be somebody to give some run to just to see if he can get away from Adam Engel at all in center field. That'd be, that'd I think be best for everybody right now. If not him, then maybe Nicky Delmonico, if Cordell's also there, Delmonico can play. He can stand in the corner outfield spot. He can play first base if you need somebody to, uh, you know, say, come in to play first uh, while, uh, uh, you know, um, Yonder's uh, 
playing uh, you know dh you know if that need arises so i think that would be my guess is that it'd be some form of delmonico and cordell and then you know maybe fulmer for the pitcher spot okay so there you go we'll see how it all folds you know knock on wood hopefully good news for the white Sox. giolito feels okay he won't miss his next start Mikata suffered a scare, but he's cleared. No concussion. He can go uh, as soon as Friday. I'd like him to miss Thursday and play Friday just to be extra cautious. Um, But if both of those guys don't have to miss lengthy time, I think that's great for the White Sox. But if they do, it sounds like that's a good option, Jim. Having Ryan Cordell and then Carson Fulmer. And I agree with you with Nicky Domonico because I think Jose Abreu could use a day off because he's right now – not having a good April, he's hitting 188, 284, 375 as his hitting splits uh, so far. Do you agree with the timing of sending Daniel Polka down to Charlotte? Yeah, mainly because I kind of predicted it, so it <laughs> makes me look right. Uh, yeah, just the one hit to put on his ledger so he doesn't have like some kind of historical precedent for being having the most hit listed bats in the season should he never get back to the majors. So I, I think uh, when I saw him get that single, I kind of hope that I hope that doesn't sustain him for much longer because he you know, wasn't solid contact. It was an opposite field flare. He's been hitting everything on the ground. He's been tapping a lot of stuff to the left side of the infield. Um, and in pitches, he should be driving like there. When he gets the ball in the air, it's like pulled severely uh, like the Jason Nix job, like over the uh, you know pole field uh, foul territory, not a chance of staying fair and anything within the lines is on the ground. And so there's just nothing going for him nothing there he doesn't provide any value defensively uh his plate approach is not good like he's not working he's working some walks surprisingly they're not really competitive walks <laughs> for some reason he's getting the uh, like five, four and five pitch varieties but uh you know for whatever reason he's he's had those going for him but otherwise there's been nothing so yeah i was hoping that after he got the first hit given the lack of solid contact and the lack of uh you know good uh, swings afterwards that I hope his time would be short just for his sake and for everybody else's. And uh, yeah, so timing is just about perfect when it comes to being humane about it. All right, next on Sox Machine Live, we're going to preview the upcoming four-game weekend series between the White Sox and the Detroit Tigers as the Southsiders head to Motown. But before we do, a quick word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. The ticket industry hasn't changed in a long time. There are a bunch of big companies who have been around forever, but don't really care about making the experience easier for the customer. Well, SeatGeek is a ticket company where the customer comes first. With more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store, SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls in millions of tickets from all, all over the web. They rate each ticket on a scale of 1 to 10 and display them on an interactive seat map so it's simple to find what you're looking for with the green dots being good deals and the red dots stay away Those tickets are overpriced. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence and with a lot of stadiums in Major League Baseball moving to paperless tickets. SeatGeek will have the QR codes for you so your tickets are digital, and all they need to do is just scan your phone to get inside the stadium. And I use SeatGeek all the time to buy tickets. I have the app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets 
As a matter of fact, I use SeatGeek to buy some tickets for Carlos Rodon Bobblehead Day. That's in mid-May against the Toronto Blue Jays, which that series just got a lot more interesting. The trash talking that's going on on Twitter right now, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you guys are heading to Detroit to watch the White Sox against the Tigers and you need tickets or you want to get tickets for May or June with the weather warming up in Chicago, Download the SeatGeek app onto your smartphone because Sox Machine listeners get $10 off their first purchase. All you got to do is just enter promo code SOXMACHINE. That's promo code SOXMACHINE for $10 off your first purchase. And you can use this promo code not just for sports tickets, but concert tickets, comedy tickets, whatever you need tickets for. You can get them on SeatGeek and you can use our promo code SOXMACHINE for $10 off on your first purchase. Now, again, like I mentioned, the White Sox are heading to Detroit to face the Tigers in a four-game series. And the Detroit Tigers are playing better than expected in the first 16 games. Uh, As we are streaming this right now, they're entering the ninth inning tied with the Pittsburgh Pirates. 2-2, 2-2, two to two. so the Tigers are either going to be 8-9 and nine, or they're going to be 9-8. and eight. So they're ahead of the White Sox in the standings. And the first game is an odd time. Tomorrow, Thursday, April 18th, the game starts at 12-10 Central Time. And your pitching matchup is Ivan Nova against Tyson Ross. And again, Nova pitched really well against the New York Yankees on the road. So hopefully that continues in Detroit. On Friday night, this is a 6.10 p.m. Central Time start. It is Carlos Rodon against Jordan Zimmerman. And on Saturday, 12-10 start, it's Irving Santana against Daniel Norris. And on Sunday, it is Ronaldo Lopez and the best pitcher in the major leagues, according to Fangraph's war, Matthew Boyd for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, let's. Yeah, I'm glad we're recording this, Jim, because I'd like to revisit that statement in June and see if Matthew Boyd is still leading the major leagues uh, and wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs. Do you know who's third in the league, Jim? Is that Rodon? That is Carlos Rodon. Yes, according to Fangraphs, Carlos Rodon is the third best pitcher in the major leagues. So this is a four-game series. Uh, and, you know, with Detroit, it's always been mixed results. Sometimes the White Sox have looked terrible, Jim. Uh, sometimes they've looked good. Uh, I've got a feeling that this series could be a split for the White Sox. They come away 2-2. Two and two, And, you know, the next time we're talking about them, they're heading to Baltimore for a three-game tilt. And they are 9-12 and 12 on the year. Uh, how do you feel about this series? I'm, uh, I'm curious about what Detroit looks like because they have some guys who are somewhat familiar but also look drastically different. Like Jordan Zimmerman had a couple really good starts to start the season. He got roughed up the last time around. But uh, he's kind of given up on his fastball, or at least I think he's throwing his fastball like you know, 40% of the time now and throwing 35% sliders and a lot of change-ups. So he's going full James Shields crafty ready basically and and we saw that work well for Shields at times and so uh, given how well the White Sox pounded him last year um, I'm curious to see whether the White Sox have still have his number or whether uh, this new look guy will will fool him for a bit Tyson Ross is always like perpetually available as a free agent or trade target because he's <laughs> always hurt or erratic and and so uh, you know he's had some uh, um, some good moments against the Sox but he's also uh, you know just comes and goes. Norris is in the rotation because Matt Moore is out for the season. And Norris has been one of those fringe guys who, uh, you know, 
they don't quite know what to make of him, whether he can actually be a starter or a lefty reliever. So they have some guys who are, you know, more interesting than I thought they were entering the season. Boyd had a major jump in velocity uh, that is sustaining him and, and, and makes it think like he's more than what he's shown in the past. So, uh, yeah, I, I think these four pitchers in the current shapes they're in might make Detroit tougher than they looked entering the season, at least on paper. Yeah, offensively, though, with Detroit, there's just not a lot there right yeah. now. Before tonight's game, they've only scored 43 runs in 16 games. That's that's 2.7 runs yeah. per game, Jim. It's, it's all going to be you know, all in their pitching, and and that's when you can you can imagine that you know, maybe a month from now when you know, another injury sets, like if Ross gets hurt again and he has a history of getting injuries, or you know, Zimmerman, the league figures him out, that they could have some you know awful weeks where they're outscored like, 60 to 16 or something like that yeah there is a collapse possible in their future but you can also say that about the white Sox, given the shape of their pitching staff so it's hard to uh uh and, and then given also the historical lack of success against detroit over the years and central opponents in general it's hard for the white Sox to get too you know look down on any team too much right and you know the guys who look out offensively nico goodrum for the Tigers, he's got an 896 OPS. His OPS plus is 143. Good friend, <laughs> I shouldn't say good friend, old friend Gordon Beckham uh, is slugging 571. Uh, okay. While hitting 190. Yeah, he's, got, he's hitting 190 with a 292 on base percentage, but he's slugging 571. Uh, but there's a lot of guys right now on the Tigers. Christian Stewart, their left fielder. Uh, has three home runs and 13 RBIs. A- am I reading this correctly? Gordon Beckham is second on the Tigers right now in home runs with two? Yeah, I am. Yeah, and he's got 10 strikeouts and 24 plate appearances. Nick Castellanos is off to a really bad start. Miguel Cabrera is slugging 288. Wow, so the Tigers' offense, not good. But we talked about this when the Tampa Bay Rays came to Chicago. The Rays' offense really wasn't clicking, but they were doing a terrific job in run prevention. While the White Sox, we know they can score, but they're having a difficult time preventing runs to their opponents. And in that series, the Rays took advantage of the White Sox. The Rays, I think, could win the American League East. We'll see how it goes with the Tigers. You have the White Sox, an above-average offense right now, Below average pitching, Detroit, really below average offense, above average pitching. We'll see which one budges in these next four games. And we will be, of course, recapping every game on SoxMachine.com. So if you are going to be missing a game and you just want to read about what happened during it, go to SoxMachine.com to read the recaps and further updates on the Chicago White Sox when news breaks on who will be joining the team to replace Daniel Polka and the injury status of Giolito and Mikata. Again, visit us on SoxMachine.com for our, all those updates. You can also follow us on Twitter as well at SoxMachine. But that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. We'll, ta- we'll chat with you guys on Monday in the Sox Machine podcast, and I'll bring you guys the White Sox wake-up call for your Friday morning. Uh, but if you guys have questions about the White Sox, again, make sure to follow us on Twitter. You can start sending them for P.O. Sox. But for those that just discovered Sox Machine Live and the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the show in a number of ways. One is through iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, audioboom.com slash Sox Machine. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Jim Margulis, 
I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.